Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing. For a change of pace, today we have something different. My name is Ian Duncan McDonald. While I am the author of two investment books available at Amazon.com, Safer, Better Dividend Investing, and Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing, I'm also the author of three novels. Today, I want to introduce you to my novel, Dual. For the last five days of April 2021, a free ebook version of Dual will be available at Amazon.com. In this podcast, I will be reading Chapter 2 of Dual. To set the scene in Chapter 1, we learned that Rob Lyons, an analyst at the State Department, is being sent to the island of St. Matt's to investigate a televised interview by Texas Senator Rick Wilcox. That morning, Wilcox exposed that the People's Republic of China has secretly leased a long, abandoned British naval base on the island of St. Matt's. The Caribbean is the United States' private lake. European nations have recognized this for more than a hundred years. The idea that an Asian power would dare establish a naval base in the Caribbean is outrageous. The senator has called for a nuclear bomb to be dropped on this traitorous island. For two decades, there has been competitive rumblings and posturing between the United States and China. Within a few years, China is expected to become the richest, most powerful nation in the world. How will the United States adapt to losing the dominant primary position it has held for a hundred years? The novel deals with the confrontation between the two powerful nations that explodes in the tiny, peaceful, impoverished Caribbean island of St. Matt's. For decades, the Chinese have been supplying aid to the Caribbean. It used to be aid that was filled by the United States. When they feared the spread of Soviet communism, politicians in Washington, St. Matt's and China, play important roles in this duel. Rob Lyons becomes caught up in the whirlwind of assassination, power, and romance that swirls around him. In Chapter 2, the scene opens in the Senator's office just hours after his televised interview. Chapter 2, Rick Wilcox for Senator. Woo-wee! That ought to piss off those commie pingo Democrats. We'll blast St. Matt's to smithereens. Rick Wilcox, the junior senator from Texas, broke off into peals of laughter as he watched a television rerun of his early morning news conference. He ran around his office on the second floor of the 100-year-old Russell Senate office building, high-fiving and slapping his entourage on the back. His lackeys joined in the chorus of support, laughing like a pack of hyenas. We got coverage on every network. That should get their attention back home. 
I thought I was great, just great. What did you guys think? The chorus echoed back, Oh, you were great, Rick. You knocked them dead. You sucker punched them, cowboy. Way to go, Ricky. What are you saying? What are they saying in Amarillo, Ricky? They love you in Amarillo. What about Houston? They love you in Houston, too. Are the donations pouring in? Like a waterfall, Ricky, like a waterfall. How many people we got working the phones? A hundred, Ricky. They're just dialing for dollars. The election is in the bag. A grinning Rick Wilcox smiled ear to ear and shifted one cowboy booted leg over the other one on his desk. He leaned way back in his swivel chair and considered lighting up a cigar. Screw the Senate and their no-smoking rules. The two flags behind his desk framed him like the true patriot he was. Ricky, a crew from Fox News is in the reception room. They want to do an interview. Great, show them in, show them in. Rick took his boots off the desk and put his serious politician's face on as the television crew was led into his office. Welcome, it's always a pleasure to meet with Fox News. Senator Wilcox, my name is Tom Brogdon. We just wanted a few minutes of your time for an update on the news at noon broadcast. By all means, it's important that this threat to our national security get full coverage. The lights and camera came on, Brogdon through on his first question. Since your news conference early this morning, questions have arisen by the White House as to whether your news that the People's Republic of China is establishing a naval base on the Caribbean island of St. Matt's is just an elected publicity stunt on your part. Looking as serious as a hound with a cornered raccoon, Wilcox replied in a sonorous Texas drawing, a twang that sold well back home in Texas. How typical of this weak-kneed administration to attack the messenger instead of responding to a threat to our national security that is greater than the 1963 Cuban Missile Crisis. While the nation teeters on the brink of an abyss, this administration's intelligence service is so inept that they were not even aware of what the Chinese were doing in their own backyard. Senator Wilcox, who was the source of your information? Not about to demean his message by saying his source was an anonymous, digitally altered voice on his cell phone, Rick had assumed his private cell phone number had been supplied by some weasel of a lobbyist paid to hunt down a senator who needed a national publicity vehicle that would play well in their home state. He quickly responded with, Thesaurus was a patriot involved in the negotiations with the Chinese. My research staff carefully and thoroughly vetted this information before bringing it to my attention. I knew immediately that it was critical to the national security of a great republic that its citizens needed to be informed of this clear and present danger. Senator, can you not give us any information about this source? Unfortunately, I am unable at this time to supply any details that could identify the source of this information. It would put that person's life in jeopardy. 
Once I know that this person's safety is secure, I will be pleased to provide their name. Senator, are you aware that there are several thousand American medical students residing on this island? Your recommendation that the island be immediately bombed with a nuclear device would kill every one of these innocent young Americans. The safety of all American citizens is my primary concern. It is critical that there be an immediate government airlift to get every American off that island in the next 24 hours. Only when every American is removed would a bomb be dropped. Aren't you now worried that American citizens could now be held hostage on the island to prevent it from being bombed? If they were held for ransom, that would be reason to call in the Marines to invade and free them. What about the other nationalities on the island and the poor, innocent citizens of St. Matt's? Are you saying you condone America killing thousands of innocent women and children? Unfortunately, to protect the lives of 350 million American citizens, a few foreigners may have to be sacrificed. They would be the strategic casualties of war. All American citizens are urged to immediately evacuate this island. It is unfortunate that our current weak administration forces our citizens to face such threats. Under President Ronald Reagan, the United States was feared. Small foreign nations did everything they could to show their allegiances to the United States. Now they thumb their nose at us. They must be prepared to suffer the consequences. Thanks, Senator. We appreciate your candid assessment of this situation. The pleasure was all mine. I'm always open to a frank and open exchange with the public. God bless America, the best country in the world. The Kramer crew scurried out of his office, anxious to get Rick Wilcox's inflammatory statements on the air. As soon as they were out of the door, the cowboy boots went back on the desk. Rick Wilcox basked in the warmth of his publicity and his genius. Within minutes, his interview was broadcast. Politicians around the world shook their heads in disbelief at the senator's irresponsible aggressiveness. Commentators immediately reminded the world that the United States was the only country to have ever used a nuclear weapon in war. The American commentators were quick to add that the nuclear bombs dropped in Nagasaki and Hiroshima in 1945 that kills hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians were necessary to send a strong message to the Japanese government that it was time to surrender. They also said that the bombing was justified to save the lives of thousands of American soldiers who would have died if an invasion of Japan had been necessary. No one disputed that what it really did was send a message to the world that the United States was now the boss. Using the newly acquired super weapon was also revenge for the sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. During the war, the America propaganda machine had depicted the Japanese as subhuman and thus expendable. Since 95% of St. Matt's were black, it would take little for the American propaganda machine to convince most American voters that St. Matt's was also disposable. 
the senator would have been surprised to find that people took his flip statement seriously. To him, it was just how politicians talk. The only thing he really believed in was saying and doing whatever it took to get re-elected in Texas. What they thought of him in Washington, the rest of America, or foreign countries didn't matter. He knew the more he was attacked by Washington and the rest of America for his aggressive statements, the more popular he would be in Texas. Senator Wilcox had the strong, masculine features, thin, athletic body, and good hair that appealed to Texas voters. His carefully chosen western-cut suits and his collection of fancy cowboy boots were greatly admired. Wilma, his blonde-haired wife with her perfect teeth and the best hair that money could buy, was his trophy. She was flaunted at every opportunity along with her three photogenic children. They attracted crowds when every November they attended the Armorillo's Tri-State Exposition to press the flesh and show what a great Texan they had sent to Washington. To the constituents, the Wilcox were the God-fearing, good Christian folk that they wanted to represent them. That the Wilcox children never missed Sunday school was an important message that was fed to the electorate. A devout faith had become important in Texas politics ever since the Christian right-wing fundamentalists had wrestled the Texas Republican Party away from country club Republicans in the early 1990s. Only those who played to the Christian right could now get a Republican nomination in Texas. Ricky had long ago seen the light and come to Jesus. Politics had been good to him. His very generous corporate backers made sure they had financial incentives to stay focused on their issues. Their main issue was, what is good for business is good for Texas. Thus, he was expected to fight any attempts by legislators to impose pollution controls on Texas oil and gas refineries or to interfere with the selling of prime beef. He was to fully support any tort legislation that would limit the liabilities that might be imposed on Texas health, insurance, and oil businesses. He was expected to do his best to support the privatization of every public institution from prisons to welfare departments. His backers expected to get first crack at acquiring them. Business came first because big corporations with multi-million dollar war chests made sure those candidates who danced to their tune got elected. Also available at Amazon.com, you can find a sequel to Duel called Using Drought USA. It is a novel set in a presidential election year. Rob Lyons is sent to Canada to engineer the division of the country so that the western provinces and Quebec will not interfere in the United States invasion of the province of Ontario. The invasion's objective is to redirect rivers to the Great Lakes so water can be diverted to the headwaters of the Colorado River. 
The Colorado River meets the critical water needs of 80 million American voters in Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. Climate change plus growing industrial and agricultural water needs means the river is no longer able to meet the demand. A third novel is also available at Amazon.com. It is Beware the Abandoned. It follows the life of John Cross from the mean streets of Los Angeles to the streets of Paris, France, where he recruits street children just as he was recruited by a ruthless capital sect. The sect develops the smartest of street children and turns them into ruthless capitalists whose purpose in life is to enrich the sect. Cross is pursued for murder not only by the FBI, but by organized crime. How long will he be able to hide in a small town on the Delaware coast? Extract from these novels will be provided in future podcasts. (laughs) 